0: Harmonize with me and hold me tight all through the night. You're shining bright. I'm your oyster, baby. You're my pearl.
1: William, what? We're back. I know that.
2: Yeah, I love that song. Harmonize with me and, and hold me, me tight. tight all through, through the, the night. night. We should do Sandy maybe bright. maybe a uh, a, like a modern version of that with some snare and a kick drum or something. Well, like.
1: you want to ask something? You want to ask a DJ to do that? For mm, us then. A remix. Who
2: would we get? Someone who likes the show will do a funky remix of that. And who's, maybe that we'll...
1: who's that producer? He's very good, isn't
2: he? Uh, Fat Boy Slim. No, he's uh, haters. Heaven. What? Mm-hmm. It's one of his songs. Oh God.
1: Yeah. Um, is, uh, who is it? Um, he did. Uh, he did all of uh, Amy Winehouse's.
2: John Ronson. Yes. Mm. Ronson. Ronson, not John Ronson. I think he's a journalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ronson. Mm. Hey, I think this is a new edition. Swords. I like that. Just in case you and I have a disagreement, we can thwack each other. I think that needs to be dulled. That's quite sharp. Is it? Also, you and I were lucky enough to recently go to a convention where we met some fantastic people over the weekend and someone uh, gave us a little furry onion. So whoever, what wonderful person gave us a furry onion, they're now featured on the podcast. Thank you for that gift. We loved it. We loved seeing all you guys this weekend. I can't
1: help but notice you've got one glove on, Dom. Yes, I've went for the singular uh, driving glove um,
2: look, which I think is a good look. I, I I do wear a driving glove every so often when I'm driving because of Alan Partridge because I love Alan Partridge and he likes his driving gloves so it's a tribute to him but um, I had them on and then when I finished driving I thought well they actually go really well with my t-shirt so I'll keep them on and I, and I thought you'd appreciate it too.
1: Do you wear two yeah. when you're driving? Yeah. But just one when you're walking?
2: Yeah, just one as a kind of like I don't know I think um, would it be fair to say that the hip hop
1: crowd is a big fan of uh a singular driving glove. Really? Glob. A glob? A glob? A glob. I yeah. didn't know that. I think, well, Michael
2: Jackson might have been a fan of the singular glob. Yeah, he liked the single glove, And a few other people which we won't mention. And I've noticed yours
1: is tight, tight.
2: Well, I've been working out my wrists, as you know, Bills. Have you? And I can barely button this now. And... Uh, Looks good. You, you were telling me over the last couple of weeks or so that you're considering turning into one of the world's strongest men.
1: I was thinking about it because uh, I think it's good to give yourself some sort of focus in life. And and I I started going back to the gym since COVID's got less uh, prominent and things like gyms are open again. I'm enjoying going to the gym. Yeah, and And I can see that. I've got this trainer, you see, who I used to have in Scotland. Now he's got an app. And uh, I go on this app now and he gives me a workout. And I think I like that better than even you know getting a trainer or anything oh really I put on my headphones it tells me exactly what I need to do when to do it and I do it Oh, well, good for you so I was thinking about having a word with him and I say look I want to become one of the strongest men in the world yeah how do I go about that yeah. and then he'll just fill up the app with what I need to do fill up the app with
2: that and then your diet has got to be on point you, oh you, what you've got to be eating tons of calories tons thousands tens of thousands of calories I want you to get so big You know those, like the strongman routine where they pick up a massive cannonball and then they run for like 30 feet and put it on top of a barrel? I want you
1: to do that. I want to do all of that. Mm. I want to be pulling articulated lorries. Mm. Pulling a uh, a plane with your teeth. I don't don't know how to work on my teeth. We've just got to get really
2: strong gums. I can tell you about that. I've got really strong gums. Have you really? Yeah. But since you um,
1: started going back to the gym, I've noticed that you've got
2: a certain kind of joie de vivre about you I
1: feel as if yeah I feel as if my, my legs feel good you mm. know my knee I've been working on my knee mm. and my buttocks yeah your buttocks I think that's where it be, uh, that's where it began Dom mm. and uh, I'm enjoying it I I like to you know squat mm. I'll enjoy a lunge mm. and an overhead shove good for you I wonder what the French word is for joie de vivre peeling
2: the onion anyway we should do um a little bit of housekeeping House. House. You broke the mic there. The Sleeping. K- how
1: house. much value you to keep, keep a house so clean and true? true. Tell uh, me some housekeeping.
2: I like yes. how I like how the song for housekeeping has gone
1: into complete anarchy at this point. It was you. It was you. Who came up with that. Mm, I like it. But the no, anarchy. Go on. Do, what have we got in housekeeping? Well, Dom? we've has got anyone a few written, things. Is anyone written in? Nick from Wisconsin.
2: Oh, Wisconsin. Wis. Wisconsin? I don't know where Wisconsin is, do you?
1: So I won't even bother giving you the hand? But only if you know. I, no, I don't. I, we'll just someone will tell us at some point. Yeah. Nick from Wisconsin
2: has uh, written in in regards to the uh, swearing in Lord of the Rings if you'd like to send us in more uh, suggestions. Since the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy is a PG-13, you can have one swear word, And uh, Nick said. In the extended editions, when Gandalf confronts Saruman in the beginning of the Return of the King... After the, after the two plus the Ents defeat his followers, instead of Saruman saying, instead of saying, Saruman, your staff is broken, he could say, Saruman, your staff is fucked. And then his staff falls apart and he gets killed.
1: Quite good. And then he gets killed. I like how he ended it there. I
2: like that. It's quite good. In the books, in the in the uh, Return of the King, Lord of the Rings books, Saruman doesn't get killed in the same way that he gets killed in uh, the films because no. we
1: oust him from the Shire he's part yeah. of the scouring of the Shire there, the scouring it? of the Shire <gasps> if only we had the chance mm. give us a question Dom JT says do you think that
2: Merry and Pippin could have gotten as far as Frodo and Sam did if they being Merry and Pippin oh he's big on uh, brackets this guy yeah yeah uh, were to take the one ring to Mordor and again another bracket including dealing with Smeagol Shelob etc he could have just used a comma It's a lot of brackets there isn't it? I Could've like just, the brackets do you yeah um. So could Frodo... Start? I think the the reason why Frodo gets as far as he does yeah. with the ring and then how Sam really helps him out, I think specifically is due to the fact that they are hobbits and they don't get as affected by the ring as other creatures would. So I think Merry and Pippin would do quite well. There's there's kind of a, an inkling, in, certainly in the books, that Frodo has a little bit of elven kind of mm. influence in oh, yeah. his genealogy? Would oh, that God be the right really? word? Family tree? Really? Some, some elven ways and that maybe he's the perfect candidate for that but I still think that Merry and Pippin would do a good job. I think we'd do brilliant
1: and I think we'd get it there faster mm. and I think there'd be more laughs. And uh, Yeah, I'd say we'd be better. I think we'd be better and also I think we'd find things on the way like, you know, a tree... That, um, that grows oranges or something mm. and also mushrooms we'd find a lot of mushrooms oh a lot of mushrooms you so could, that would make it more interesting wouldn't it you could cook them as well the closer you get to
2: Mordor because the ground gets hot we could yeah. just cook them
1: just cook them on the thing you know on and the I own. think you know we'd get some laughs out of Smeagol and stuff yeah I think we'd be a great kind of triple act I think we'd get it done easy lovely question there JT well done well done uh, well we'll do this last
2: one here Nicole from Philly in Pennsylvania is that or oh, Philadelphia
1: Philly, well, Philly, Philly, Philly is Philadelphia. Philadelphia, isn't it? So She's what's PA? pa, pa, pa Patagonia? Patagonia. Yeah. Right. I, think it's, I think it's Philadelphia. Right. Nicole said, <laughs> Oh God! What, what, she, she got not Oh God. She got a cough, has she? Yeah.
2: She said, I'm a huge proponent for all things animation, from the beautiful Oscar-winning Pixar films to the student short films I find on YouTube. I love it all. Considering your interview with Michael Giacchino... I would like to ask, what are your favourite animated movies and/or TV shows that you would recommend? Personally, my favourite show of all time is <gasps> Avatar: The Last Bender, Last Airbender. I got excited there; I, stu- I stammered. It's one of my favourite shows too. Avatar, th- bah- 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 bah. and one of my favourite movies is Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse. Well, I love animated films, and my dad calls them cartoons. Do you know the difference between cartoons and animated features? Do you know
1: what I don't? I'll tell you right now. Really? I,
2: I keep telling my dad, but he still keeps calling still cartoons. Calls my dad's yeah. a big fan of dismissing those things. You know? Yeah. Cartoons are supposed to be less than three minutes long. Really? Mm, that's what defines a cartoon. Whereas an animated feature, as we know, can be a few hours long if it wants to be. Less than three minutes as a cartoon. As a cartoon. So Tom and Jerry type vibes yeah. as a cartoon because it's kind of a little bit of a... Some of
1: them are more than three minutes.
2: Some of be. them, but initially when they started out, I think, you know, because I think what cartoons did initially on the TV is they were the gap in between a show. So you'd have a show, then a three-minute ad
1: break, and you put a cartoon in there instead, and then another show. Looking in your eyes just now, you look as if you're not 100% sure it's three minutes.
2: Three and a half, could be three and a half minutes. (laughs) Um, All right, well, well, favorite animated things. Well, standout ones for me. I love the Red Turtle, Nicole. If you've not seen the Red Turtle, uh, it's kind of... Animated in the style of the Tintin comics. yeah, Uh, Drawn that way, kind of a traditional style. It's not a completely silent film because every so often our hero does shout and make noises. But for the most part, no words. It's the story of a man marooned on an island, has a relationship with a turtle. Stunning, beautiful, fantastic. I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Last Airbender for sure. I really like uh, Sword Art Online, which is a Japanese thing. I like Castlevania. Inside Out, one of my favourite animated films.
1: Pixar. Coco. So (sighs) good.
2: Remember
1: me. Oh, well. Oh, so sad. We were just talking about, you know, the what's the one where uh, the Day of the Dead. Coco. Yeah, Coco. Yeah, and his grandma's about to die, and once you once there's no more pictures of you left on earth, that's you.
2: I've well, not always, but I've I've thought about that. I've thought that for a long time, which is. Things are only truly dead when you forget about them. Yeah, you know. So yeah. that's it. There's a beautiful message in that. Up, that obviously, you and I went to see Up, and I was, I was pretty. Uh, you were in tears. Crushed. I couldn't believe yeah. it. I've yeah. never seen you like that. Oh, I was, I was, probably the most emotional that I've been
1: in a, uh, in an animated. They're brilliant. Cinema. But here's the thing. Yeah. To, to get slightly controversial, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know why I'm commenting on it. But <laughs> uh, Lightyear. mm. You you had strong feelings, yeah. I'm worried, be. Dom, mm-hmm. because I love the Toy Story movies and they've set it up that Buzz is a toy who thinks he's a spaceman and then in this movie, he is a spaceman. Yes. He's not a toy at all. Yes. How can that be?
2: Yeah, it's caused derision. I think... Mark Kermode, who is Britain's kind of most famous film reviewer, he wasn't a fan either. And he said the thing that they're asking you to do is completely separate both of those worlds. So the Buzz Lightyear that thinks he's a spaceman has no idea that there actually was a spaceman that existed and vice versa. And I think that's kind of broken the Pixar model in a way a
1: little bit. A little bit. Yeah, because if there really was a Buzz Lightyear that they then made a toy of, Mm. is this what they're saying?
2: Yeah, kind of.
1: Well, certainly in Toy Story, that's what they're saying, right? right. Well, in Toy Story, I, I, just, I never thought there was actually a Buzz Lightyear, right? Because I never thought there was actually, you know, he wasn't going against these villains and galaxies and right. stuff. So I, I'll, I'll go and see it. I'll, I'll hold my tongue. On yeah, well, listen. The question from Nicole it. was, oh, well.
2: what animated films do you like, and what would you recommend? Not what ones do you hate, and you want to spit venom about. Tell I'll us the ones that you it. love.
1: I love I love Pixar's, mm. and I used to love um, uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. Don't know if they were less than three minutes. Maybe weren't cartoon. There then. was a program on in Scotland called Glen Michael's Cavalcade. oh aye. And Glen Michael would sit and he would put on cartoons, and I I used to sit. I used to love that. Though. Oh yeah, good. When I was a kid, did you ever watch Battle of the Planets? Yes.
2: Yeah, I used to like that. What um, about um, kids in space with like
1: weapons and stuff? Love that. What about the thing? What about the one? What was that? Hold on, Hang not on. the hair pair bunch. No, it was like, oh, they were, they were like soft toys, but guys inside costumes and the Teletubbies kind of like Teletubbies, but they played cartoons. And some of the cartoons they played Banana Splits, yes, yeah. Well, don't jump hey, I'm, here that. I'm here for you. Mem- if um, you remember the theme tune, I'll give you $20.
2: Dollars. I don't think I remember the theme tune, but it was a madcap
1: one, wasn't it? Perfect.
0: Yeah, I love that. Done. Oh,
2: go, go. <laughs> um, there was one that I... The uh, Arabian Nights Oh,
1: I don't know that one That was on the thing That was a cartoon I loved it, Dom That was my favourite I've just Mm -hmm. remembered Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in it He could turn into any animal And he'd do it like this Size of an elephant Fun Size of an ant But it's all Size of a blackbird What, is it size? Uh, Well, he wouldn't just turn He'd turn into one So
2: he he could turn into any animal Of any size Or could he Like, could he go
1: Ears of a wolf no, well, no. of an eagle. He'd say, no. size of a monkey. And then he'd turn, turn into, into a, a monkey. monkey. And it wouldn't spe- specify, he wouldn't say, what well, well, you want a spider monkey? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, an orangutan? Not a monkey. Is that an ape? Yeah. Uh, chimpanzee? Not a monkey. Is that an ape? Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Fresh from San Diego, California, comes the only sunglasses brand I'm ever going to wear again. Blenders I wear and you're going to be just as hooked as me when you see these awesome shades. They are fantastic. I've got a fantastic black pair and you can't see... They're really nice. Just try them out.
2: Mm, Yeah, you do look fantastic. Chase Fisher started Blenders by selling his beachy shades out of a backpack while doubling as a surf instructor on Pacific Beach. Very cool. Mm. His goal was to create an adventurous mid-priced eyewear option with the same cool factor as other leading styles. Unlike expensive big brand shades that you've probably lost or smashed in the past, just like Billy's done 300 times, blenders are actually affordable, so you're not going to cry as much
1: when the inevitable happens. Blender's team of in house designers are constantly coming out with new styles, from orange polarized wraparounds, (gasps) tortoise shell frames with purple lenses, to classic gold arms on a black lens. And it's not just sunglasses. Blenders have prescription glasses, readers, and blue light as well. Add snow collections with goggles and accessories. Live life in forward motion with Blenders today. To score 15% off your Blenders purchase,
2: visit BlendersEyewear.com and enter promo code VIP. That's BlendersEyewear.com, code ONIONVIP for 15% off. Blenders, rocked with pride worldwide. Ren is a startup that's making it easy for everyone to make a meaningful difference in the climate crisis. Right now, they're focused on monthly subscriptions where you can calculate your carbon footprint, then offset it by supporting awesome climate projects that plant trees, protect rainforests, and remove CO2 from the sky. Their goal is to unlock the collective actions of millions of individuals to drive the systemic change needed to
1: end the climate crisis i know a lot of people have been looking for a way to offset your carbon footprint with uh, the climate crisis being as bad as it is just now i know i have and dom has as well mm-hmm. and we're always trying to do our bit but the great thing about wren is they make this easy mm. you can pay monthly they will plant trees offset your carbon footprint i think it's a really fantastic service mm. It's a nice feeling, isn't it, to yeah. think that you're contributing
2: something that maybe will plant trees for future generations, you know, 30, 40, 50 years
1: down the line. Exactly, and they make it easy. Mm. They, You know, when you try to work out how am I going to do this, Ren, you go onto their website, you put in a few figures, what you're doing, and they make it easy for you. Ren is a website where you can calculate your personal carbon
2: footprint based on your lifestyle, then offset it by funding projects that plant trees, protect rainforests, sequester CO2, and more. Signing up for Wren is an easy way to do something meaningful about the climate crisis. Wren practices hyper-transparency. Once you sign up to make a monthly contribution to offset your carbon footprint, you'll receive monthly updates about the tree planting, rainforest protection, and carbon removal projects you're funding. You can even
1: see the exact coordinates of the trees that you've planted. It's going to take all of us to end the climate crisis. Do your part today by signing up for Wren. Go to wren.co forward slash onion, sign up, and they'll plant 10 extra trees in your name. That's W-R-E-N dot C-O slash onion. Start making a difference. Thank you, Wren.
2: There was one that I loved when I was a kid. I watched it on my own. I was always trying to get my brother to watch it with me, but he wasn't interested. And it was the story of the musketeers, but uh, the animals were all dogs. So it was Dog Tanyan and the well, yeah, musk hounds. I, I remember think. that. That was really cute. I love that show. Probably hasn't aged very well. I think it was quite dated and the animation style is quite dated. But I would uh, say the word charming
1: about that. Yeah, I remember that. Mm, that was lovely. I used to have a friend when I was younger as well who took up cycling yeah. in Scotland. and uh, We didn't see him for, for uh, months and months. And then he came back and everybody called him the musketeer. And I didn't know why. Because he'd been outside so much, they said he was the dark tanyan. Okay. Yeah. Got a suntan, you mean? Yeah. Mm. I
2: love that. Well, is that it? Is that, oh, we've got a few voicemails. Should we fire in a few voicemails? Yeah, give, us a, uh, give we, us a voicemail. We don't Come have on. Johnny Clues with us uh, this week. We have Shanti, and I'm expecting that um, maybe the studio is going to be wonderfully run this week.
0: Hello, Mr. Boyd and Mr. Monahan. Oh. My name is Lexi. I'm a music therapist from Nashville, Tennessee wanted to first say thank you for having a music therapist on your podcast a while back, getting the word out about music therapy. Now, I have some misheard lyrics from Pantera's Cemetery Gates. It's supposed to be reverend at the beginning,
1: but all I hear is, Red rum, red rum, is
0: this some conspiracy? And also, I was wondering if you guys could try to hit those high notes at the very end when Phil Anselmo saying. Gates. Thanks, guys.
1: I don't know that song. Lexi. Lexi, I don't know that song either, but you got Sorry, obviously Lexi. got a lovely tone to your voice. It. That was lovely, that. Red Rum. red rum, Which is
2: Murder Backwards, isn't it, Red Rum? Oh, it... From The Shining. Red Rum. Remember he goes, Red Rum. And you're like, why is he interested in a horse that red. won the Grand National? No. It's Murder Backwards. <gasps> Ooh.
1: I like misheard lyrics. I like that
2: Thanks, tune. Lexi. Thanks, Lexi. We'll have a uh, listen to that song and
1: see if we can hit it. We can hit Have we got one notes. more? We'll listen to it and see if we can hit it. Break. Hey,
2: Dom and Billy. This is Dr. Steve from Tampa, Florida. Love you guys. Here's a riddle for you. Oh. I stay in the corner and yet I travel around the world. What am I?
1: I stay in the corner and yet I travel around the world. I was going to say a shadow, but that doesn't make any sense because So is it something to do with the moon? The moon travels around the world. Hang on, what Shanti knows this one because she's she's got her hand up and she's nodding. I know it. Oh, wait a minute, Dom's got it. Dom's got it. I stay in the corner. Corner.
2: I think I know it. So I'm going to see if I can help you get it. Right. This makes sense to me. What's something that you? What's something that you put in a corner? A dunce. Yeah, good, but other things. Another, it's not a, a living thing. A light. Yeah. A
1: stand-up light. Oh, You're close there. A stand.
2: You put it in the corner of something. It's like a it's a device that helps something go around the world. He's totally got it. I've got it, haven't I? It helps. What some- if what if you want to send something around the world? What uh-huh. would you put in the corner? <gasps> a stamp. A stamp. It's Whoa! right in there. Yeah! That's a great, that's a very simple but cool riddle. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Hey, I love that. That's great. Um, well, we have a fantastic guest, but I just thought just, uh, the, just before we finish that, because we didn't... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
0: ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really answer Lexi's question. No. And she said, I wonder if you could hit that high note at the end of that song. Yeah. Should we, should we see how high we can make our voice go and how low? Yeah. What's the highest
1: you can... Falsetto's okay, right? Right, we're al- are we allowed falsetto? Yeah. I would think so. Right, go. <clears throat> Hang on.
2: Oh, I think I can go higher. Right, hold on.
1: <laughs> what's Jesus. that? What notes what's that? I don't
2: know, but hopefully you're not wearing any earphones, people listening
1: at home. We both nailed it. That was good. What about the lowest? Right. Wait a minute until I fix my mate, It keeps going like this.
2: Brilliant! Hey, that's worth subscribing to the podcast for, right? <laughs> right. That a, alone—a very low note and a very high note. You're welcome. Mm. Well, we've got a we've got a fantastic guest today. Should we
1: bring him on, or should yeah, we talk about him? Let's as well bring, bring him on, on, and then we'll talk about him right to his face. Oh, I love that, William. What?
2: It's not just you and I in a room now. We've been joined
0: by our wonderful guest, Guy Branham. You have no foundation to know whether I'm wonderful or not right True. now. You guys are, you boys are each going to have to make this decision for yourselves over the course of this period of time. We're
2: going to find out in the next 40 to 42 minutes or so. Or if it turns into 30 minutes, you can guarantee that you're not a good guest. Yeah, kicked out.
0: We just understand maybe things just don't vibe,
2: you know?
1: Bill, do you want to read a blurb?
2: Yeah. Go on
1: then. I'll do the first part right All now. right, lovely. I want to get your second name correct. Branum Branham. Branham. I got it right. Better. Mm. <laughs> Guy Branham mm, is the stuff.
0: creator and host of True TV's talk show, the game show. Yes. That's off the air. That's been canceled. This is an old bio, and I apologize. Bad start,
2: Bills. Bad start. Do you want to do your bio?
0: Yeah. Okay, do your bio, Guy. I'm sorry. We'll, no, is, n- listen. My we'll name is Guy. Up. I'm a stand-up comedian. I write for TV shows sometimes. Mm. I had a really funny talk show called Talk Show The Game Show. It's available on HBO Max if you want to go back and watch it. It was canceled. It was canceled. So it wasn't okay. that great. Yes. Um. I am uh, one of the co-stars and a co-producer on... Uh, Bros, which is a romantic comedy with Billy Eichner that's coming out this fall. Uh, And I'm also on a show called Platonic on Apple Plus. I don't know when that's coming out. Okay, good.
1: Well, you've clearly done your own research. Well, guys. this is much better than Johnny Clues
0: gave us. Yeah, exactly. He gives a bio from like months ago. Look, this is my failure ultimately that I haven't written a nice, new, updated bio. For it's myself. fine. I also got a goddamn book. It'll come up later. Okay? We know about the book. Yes, it's yes. called My Life as a Goddess. Why yes. don't
1: Why don't we write your bio right now? Well, there's some more help. blurb here, guys. Stop me if
2: we get this wrong. Right, go on. Guys also appeared on At Midnight. Yes, Chris Hardwick. The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, The yes. Meltdown, Road to Roast, and Debate Wars. As a TV writer, Guy spent three years writing for Hulu's The Mindy Project, was a producer during the shows last season. Other TV uh, writing credits include A League of Their Own from Amazon, Punked, and Awkward on MTV, another period on Comedy Central, Billy on the Street, Fashion Police on E! That means he's watched the Grammys at Joan Rivers' house. Whoa, we can need to talk about Joan Rivers' house. But also, you're on punk They tried to punk me. Didn't work. Oh,
0: really? I wonder if it was... Like, the season I worked on, it was like a late season and all we were doing was mean stuff to the cars of people who were in Twilight movies. 100%. That was just all we (laughs) were doing. That was the hot movie. Hurting the cars of people who had been in Twilight movies. Okay. And it was really... It was not the job for me. Okay. Um, You don't like being mean to people. I just think... I think... Like... I think that pranks are crimes that, like, young heterosexual white boys do to each other. Right. And then it's like, this is okay. They're not threatening. Where I think women and gay guys prefer to just say mean things about their friends okay. behind their back. And right. that, to me, like, fashion police. Sure. Like, is, a f- I'm far more comfortable with that than, like, hey, let's make this person think their daughter died.
2: Oh, yeah, that's definitely not cool. I
0: like a prank,
2: but I like a well meaning prank. I'm not not big on pranks. You don't like pranks. You don't like practical jokes, really, do you? No. I like a uh, prank that at some point during the prank, the person who's being pranked. Feels like they are in some way involved in the prank as opposed to
0: everything yes. that's kind of gunning for them. Here's what I'll say about pranks. Is that when I had so my talk show, the whole point of it was that you scored points by doing the sort of things you're supposed to do on talk shows, mm. like plugging a project, like I just did when I mentioned my Now of Funk talk show. But the thing you scored the most points for was telling a story about an onset prank. Because I respect that you guys as actors have to be pulling bullshit in, you know, each other's trailers during the course of things. Like, otherwise, how do we know we're making a movie?
2: Yeah, I don't think on-set pranks happen as much as people think, in the same way that people assume that actors walk away with pieces of the set all the time, which is really not true.
1: Yeah, because they need that. They need that, yeah. like pickups and stuff. People
2: ask me all the time. But so, what, what did you take? What did you steal from the Lord of the Rings set? And I was like, I didn't steal anything from the Lord of the Rings set. You'd
0: be fired. It, it, no, absolutely. You're giving stuff. But you know? that's that's the beautiful thing about being on a television program that has been canceled. It's at that point in time. It's just open season to steal anything you mm. can. Oh yeah. And so I really, you know, like and respect that. But you guys, like the the process of making those films over, like. All at, did you make the first two together? Or did you make all, all three all of three. them? All the ones. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so I was just listening to... Oh, uh, Gollum. What's his name? Andy Serkis. Uh, Andy Serkis talking about, like, his first scene was, like, on the slopes of Mount Doom. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's, it's ridiculous to think about you guys having to keep track of that. Yeah. But truly, like, that they're having to keep track of all of that... Taters. Sh- ...for that entire period of time. Ooh. Terrifying. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. Yes. Um, well, what about your book, My Life as a Goddess? I mean, it's a solid book. I think it's funny. It's I a think solid it's interesting, book. What a great it's a, review. It's about me. Um, it's it like, it's in between a memoir and me sort of like talking about and analyzing pop culture. Like I generally take pieces of pop culture that like meant something to me at a part of time in my life mm. and then sort of like analyze that while analyzing my own life. But it comes up today because there are two recipes in the book and one of them I made for you today. Oh
1: yes, a peach cobbler which we're going to get into. Yes. The Conqueror teamed up with Warner Brothers Consumer Products and designed five iconic virtual challenges to take everyone from the enchanting Bag end to the unknown depths of Mordor. The Conqueror Virtual Challenges was created in 2016 to help solve one of the biggest problems that many people face in their lives. Starting and sticking to regular exercise to enhance and maintain health and well-being. And it's working. So far, The Conqueror has helped over 400,000 people globally. Who says sports and fantasy don't have a lot in common? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how it works,
2: Bills. You scan the QR code and download the Conqueror Challenges app. Join the first challenge using the unique code and don't stop until you reach Mordor. Follow the same path as The Fellowship and go through the five trails in the same order. The Shire, The Fellowship... Mine's of Moria, the Eye of Sauron, Mordor. Walk, run, cycle, or do any activity to advance on the Middle-Earth map. Enjoy stories and postcards every time you reach a milestone. Get five beautifully crafted medals for each challenge completed and help the One Ring travel from mesmerizing
1: Hobbiton to dreadful Mount Doom. There is an awesome feature that allows you to go through challenges in fellowship. Dom, did you know that? No, tell me more. Oh, yes. You want to rack up mileages faster? Now it's easier than ever through the fellowship feature. Oh. Grab the helm and create a fellowship that will keep you accountable and help you through your Middle Earth journey. The number of members in your fellowship is unlimited, so gather as many as you want. I would say probably nine is good, though. I think that's a fantastic number. Where can listeners go to find it, Bills? Simple Dom. The app can be found at theconqueror.event slash onion. That's T H E C O N Q U E R O R.event slash O N I O N, theconqueror.event slash onion.
2: When Billy and I were doing press for Lord of the Rings for three years running, when we came to LA, they put us in what was then the Wyndham Bellage, but Mm is now the London Hotel. Yes. And in the first year, neither Billy nor I had a car, so we would just walk around Sunset Plaza having lunch and stuff. And at one point, we walked down San Vicente and had breakfast and lunch. And we were like, man, people are really friendly around here. Everyone's asking us what we're up to, what we're doing tonight, where we're going. And then on the walk back, I think we then realized that we were in the center of West Hollywood which is yes. the gay district of uh, and Los Angeles. We're just being an adorable little couple. We w- we were embraced by that culture and I absolutely loved it. Yes. I love that. I do. Uh, yeah, I
0: think that's great. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. I mean it, what a scarring experience coming to Los Angeles and not being able to drive. Like it is <laughs> yeah, just it, it is. is such a weird like different experience to have like a pedestrian life in Los Angeles it's
2: my number one tip to anyone that really has never been to LA and they're coming for the first time what should I do where should I stay blah 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 I always say you have to rent a car or hire a car as we say in Britain and they're like I don't want to I'm on holiday and I'm like that's fine but what that means is you're gonna only be able to walk somewhere and it is 38 degrees outside it's 110 degrees outside so you're really gonna struggle you know so Hiring a car is a, is a big thing when you're in LA. Were you guys
0: daunted by the prospect of having to reverse all of your instincts for driving? I'm just so scared of ever driving in Britain. Like, it, yeah. the, I, I would do it wrong. Like, I would just, the switching to the other side of the road, I would end up killing several people and myself. Do you know what
1: happens, though?
0: Because you sit on the other side of the, the car. Yeah. And then it all
1: makes sense.
2: Yeah. Really? But, it,
1: it, yeah. Yeah, but, I'm Bills, a, what?
2: do you remember what? that we, because Billy's a big fan of the seaside because he likes to take his bucket and spade down there <laughs> and make, make, like make sandcastles <laughs> and stuff. I, was, I used to be driving with you very often when we used to take that snaky sunset road All the way down. So only sunset be, uh, Boulevard, you know we get yeah. To, get to the sea. So I'm on the side of the car that is closest to the curb. And in the early days of you doing yeah. that, I'd be like, Bill, you're way too close to the way curb. You're way too close. close to the curb. Yeah. You'd be like, oh God, I'm out. I'd be like, just slightly get over to the white line. I was, I was all right,
1: though. I was all right.
2: The curbs in California are like three feet high. Yes. You know, in England, that you can hit them
0: and just kind of use them as a guide, but you're obviously going to buckle your wheel here. And, you know, when Californian's at its best, I mean, the thing next to the road is just, you know, a, a wall of stone right. that would destroy you immediately.
2: So so you can't drive a manual shift car, a stick shift
0: car? I don't know how. Okay. I was only talking about driving on the other side of the street, but thank you for bringing up my lack of yeah. masculine acuity. Yeah. I am a failure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do not know how to drive a manual shift car. Most people from the United States don't. I always thought
1: it was super easy. Just the, don't you feel like the car actually talks to you, Bill?s Dom is so good at driving Thank you. that he wears a driving glove. He has a little driving glove on, even when he's
2: just sitting on a chair. The the thing that happens here is the left hand side of my body always wants to think that it's driving. <laughs>
1: Right. Okay. So that's
2: why I keep that on, and then if I hold something like this, it thinks that it's just holding the side of uh, the the door, the car Do door. Do you know
1: anyone that wears
0: driving gloves? Um, I mean, not that I know of. Like, I don't. Potentially, like a lady in a late '80s music video, mm-hmm. like yeah. that kind of thing. I
1: but not anyone who I go into Dom's car and he puts on gloves.
2: Yeah, it's a tribute to who I believe is the greatest comedian to have come out of England since Peter Sellers who's a guy called Steve Coogan. Yes. Famous for Alan Partridge and, yes. you know, a whole bunch of other characters and Alan Partridge is probably his kind of greatest creation and Alan, whenever he's driving, is very
0: strict on putting on uh, driving gloves so it's a little tribute to him. I do, I do love the process of putting on a glove. Mm-hmm. Even better, taking off a glove. Oh, lovely. I think they truly, you can't take off a glove without being a Prussian field marshal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you just, Want to give orders. Um, but I, myself, like, I'm not a driving guy. I'm not an accessories guy. Mm. Uh, do you drive? Uh, like, I do drive. I'm a Californian. It is my obligation. But, like, at the point in time when my father, because, like, I'm from a little farm town in Northern California, and so, like, driving a stick shift was something that a person was supposed to learn. Mm. Um, but by that point in time, my dad and I were just frustrated enough with the basic process of driving that we were like, well, this doesn't need to happen. Mm. Mm.
2: Well, let's take it way back since we like to do on this show. We always like to have guests on that can potentially inspire people to maybe go go down the path that you've been in your career. So tell us, as a young man or a youngster, did you always want to be working in comedy? Did you want to be a stand-up comedian? And how did that all happen for you? I
0: I mean, I always wanted to, but it isn't particularly a practical way of life. So I... You know, I wanted to do creative things. I liked creative things. But uh, I came from a working class family in a little farm town. And my mom was just like, no, you need to be able to make money. So after I went to college, I went to law school. And I graduated and I came back to California and I took the bar. Objection. Right. Um, Overruled. I'll sustain it it really would have been fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't I mean, it? You know, the TV yeah. shows about it really make it seem more exciting right. than it was in practice. Did you follow, um, were you across the uh, Depp Heard trial? Did um, you watch it? I did not pay that much attention to it. Ooh. Like, I sort of knew what was going on.
2: I saw the greatest
0: hits of uh-huh. it. I didn't yes. watch all of
2: it either. But some of the language kind of seeped into the way that I speak. I love, I'll allow it. I love that. When someone's speaking and they mm. say something slightly
0: controversial, I'll allow it. Sustained. Sustain. No, I mean, it's a space full of drama. It's a space full of of drama. Mm. Um, But then I realized that that was a terrible way of life and I didn't want to do that. Terrible in terms of just way too much work and too serious. Yeah, it was like everyone I was at law school with was really... Very willing to put in lots of time and effort. And I was like, I'm going to let things slip through the cracks because I do not care about this enough. Mm. Uh, and then I came back to California. I, I, and, and I guess in that job, up.
2: you probably need to
0: care a little bit because people's, the rest of their lives could be on the line. The Absolutely. Thing. Like you can... taters f- Real easily. Mm. And I came close to it several times. Mm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to destroy my career this mm. way. I want mm. to destroy my career in a much more like... Splashy and interesting way Beautiful I want there to be Dead people involved yeah. Yeah. I want to You know Hurt America's soul In mm-hmm. some way mm-hmm. Before people are like We're done with him mm-hmm. do, do you have a favorite Courtroom uh, Drama film? Oh uh, Yeah There are lots of good ones I mean There's one called Adam's Rib That no one remembers well, I don't know uh, Adam's Rib It's a uh, It's a Catherine Hepburn Spencer Tracy movie oh. Where they're like Okay So get it It's the 1940s But she's a lady And a lawyer and wow. she's in a relationship with another lawyer and they end up on opposite sides of a uh, politically charged like uh, like murder case Ooh. where uh, like a couple is involved and they have to figure out can men and women be equals? Ooh. And you know, it's the 40s. So the answer isn't really the one that you want. Right. Um, but it's real good. Okay, Adam's rib. I like Devil's Advocate. It's a, lo-
2: it's a lovely uh, semi one also about the devil. And then the verdict. uh, The verdict is so good. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Billy, any uh, courtroom dramas jump
1: out? Is that a genre that you enjoy? It's not something I really think about, Tom. Mm -hmm. There's that really famous one, isn't there, with the jury. Was that eight angry men? Uh, Twelve angry men. Eight. Well, I knew the rest of them weren't that angry. Yeah. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah, the others were indifferent. I'm interested in stand up. Yes. Like, uh, it gives me the fear. How how did that come about?
0: Well, like I just I like stand up and you just
1: you, you just like
0: you like it. Who stand up heroes? Oh, one of them's about two hundred feet that way right now. I got lost on my way here and found Sarah Silverman. Oh yeah, it like, yeah ah, cool. hey, it's Sarah. Um, you know I like uh, Margaret Cho, like uh, like uh, like um, oh. Robert Klein mm. uh, Alan King like I you know I just I looked up to like Chris Rock all of these people like, are ha- good everybody shows you kind of like different parts of the art form mm. that like are, are meaningful mm. but the thing about it is like it require like you only have to believe in yourself for like 30 seconds to be able to write a joke or get a joke out. And I was like, this is a good way for me to start in sort of like creative stuff, is I only have to believe in myself for very brief right. periods yeah, of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the great part about stand up is being mad at yourself afterwards for how you fought. Taters! Yeah. And like, that's how your whole growth process works mm-hmm. is just being constantly depressed for four years. Mm-hmm. I watched that. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> watched, like you'd be a
1: natural build. I'd be good at it. <laughs> I watched uh, quite a lot of clips of you uh, okay. before this. It's really funny. Some really funny stuff. And like really assured on stage. So have you been doing it for a long time? Yes, I'm quite old. So when uh, <laughs> when, but... did you, when was the first time you went on stage? Yeah, tell us it? about that. Okay,
0: so the first time I went on stage was just this uh, little cafe in San Francisco. And I was so nervous that like I, I got on stage like as quickly as possible, said the jokes that I had written in exactly the way that I had written them. And like my knee was bouncing the whole time. Like Mm -hmm. I was not, I was so terrified for for like, uh, you know, months and months. And then it really was, um, there was this one uh, venue in San Francisco that always got good audience because Robin Williams would go there two times a year. Mm -hmm. And then just for the rest of the year, people showed up because they knew that they might see Robin Williams. Um, And like... There was a very attractive couple in the audience and I envied them and wanted to make fun of them. And it really was sort of like... It wasn't the first time I did stand-up, but the first time I sort of like broke free from what I was planning to do and just Mm -hmm. did what was there in the moment was like when things really fell into place for me. Mm -hmm. And are you on the circuit now? Are you doing a lot of it? I mean, like, the circuit kind of broke down for two years. You know, like, things changed. I have... Dates? I should plug dates. Why don't yeah, I wait, plug please dates? Please. That's why we're here. Um. Uh, August 19th to 21st, I will be in Lewiston, Maine. Maine. And,
2: beautiful part of the, uh, the uh, country.
0: And then there's another one, and I don't remember what it is. Okay, that's, well, go, go to Maine, and then maybe you can tell them there where you go. Yes. Going to... Go to guymorandum.com and look at my dates, if they're updated there. <laughs> um, but, but I haven't been... Getting into like a regular rhythm in Los Angeles has been hard yeah. since things have started opening up again. Uh-huh. You know, just like that. There is that way that you really need to be doing it two or three times a week. And is there, cl-
1: is there clubs in in Los Angeles where you could just turn up and say, oh, I've got a couple of minutes that I want to try? In my head, that's how stand-up works. That, you know, I'll be in my apartment
0: and I write a couple of gags and I think, well, I'm going to go to
1: the club now. Yeah, to try I,
0: these out. I mean, they're like usually I follow the rules and like the improv a week beforehand is like, what dates would you want to come and that sort of thing. But like going into shows and just sort of being pushy and saying, "Hey, let me on," is it always feels nice. Yeah, you know, it always feels nice. Or or like especially in a different city to just sort of like randomly show up to a show and Ooh. be like, "Hey." I'm kind of a big deal. Will you let me on? (laughs) Have them be like, of course. Mm. Feels wonderful.
2: What about uh, tips for a young stand-up that is a
0: fan of the medium and wants to try it? What would you say? You just have to do it a bunch. Like it is, I am so impressed by the fact that there are people who started stand-up during the pandemic whose like first open mic was on Zoom. Do I Mm. think that they learned anything from a Zoom open mic? No. Um, But like, you just have to do it so much and you have to love it for its own sake, which I think, it's just something across, like, many art forms. Ooh. People mm-hmm. are like, how do I do this and succeed? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is I feel like, do it because you love it. And that's how success happens. And yeah. it doesn't really make sense to people because people are like, how do I get a manager? Especially here in Los Angeles. People are—the right. people yeah. who start in Los Angeles are exposed to success so early. That's the way that they think about things. Right. And the thing is, is like, if you can— love this thing, then under whatever terms you're having to do it, you're going to be doing it well and having a good time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, come, saw, come from a place of wanting to just do it
1: and then the success will come from that. William? I, saw, I was watching something with an artist the other day and he, he, you know, he just started painting and he and he went to, you know, some art gallery and said, you know, would, would you take any of these or put them up? And the woman says, well, okay, what you should do is go and paint Four hundred paintings, and then come back and you'll have an idea of you know what your style is mm-hmm. you you have to just do things and do things, mm-hmm. but this guy sadly, had already done about eight hundred paintings, <laughs> yeah. and he said to him, he said well from from where you are now, go and do another four hundred. wow, that's a lot, so it's just that's the thing, isn't it? And I try to say this to my son as well, if you do some I remember as well they they found some early sort of Bronte sister stuff that was just awful apparently yeah. because they did 15 years after that Ooh. to make
0: something beautiful Ooh. and yeah. you have to just do it and do it and do it don't you Ooh. yeah and i also think like there's a wonderful way with like with stand up you always want to feel like this person is telling this joke in the moment just to you but the simple yeah. fact is is like you have to go through this process of telling the joke so many times that it becomes lifeless to you, That then you tell the joke so many more times that you, like, find stuff in it that nobody else would. Mm. And it really is a lovely process to, mm. like, get a piece of material so hard and so strong that, like, it really can deliver for you in any situation where you are finding the life in it and the thing that you loved about it mm. every, every time you're doing it. Like, Do you have a favorite joke? Mm. Oh yes one of, one of my favorite jokes Is like one of the first jokes That I ever wrote And I will tell it to you now Oh can we Do you know that feeling Right after sex Where the thing you want most On the planet Is to get as far away As is humanly possible From the person you just Teeters Yeah That's the trouble with masturbation <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lovely It's, Lovely it's stuff. a good one Yeah I like that It um, means a lot to me <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: It's a personal joke um, yeah, there's a great there's a great story about going back to like time in the water and just doing something over and over again. There's a great documentary I was recommending it to you at the, mm. the, the last convention we were at about Sinatra, or as some people say, Sinatra, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, called All or Nothing. It's on Netflix. It's great. It's like a four hour documentary sp- split right down the middle: early Sinatra, late Sinatra. And at one point, when he's become established. And he's gone through his jazz period, and he's now kind of a staple and, you know, beloved and all this kind of stuff, Oscar-nominated, blah, blah, blah. Um, they bring a young... He's in a club with all of his pals, and they bring a young kid in, like 17, 18-year-old kid. Sinatra's, like, late 20s. And they have this kid sing a Sinatra standard, and he sings it perfectly, and he, all or nothing or something like that. And he goes over to Sinatra and says, what do you think? And Sinatra says, that was fantastic. Now go away for like 8-10 years and sing it all around the country mm-hmm. and then come back to me. Go live a little. Live with the song a little and then it will take on board a little bit
0: more of the cadence of Sinatra's That's kind of what you're saying with the, with the career, right? Yeah, and I think the stand-up that I like has chunks of your soul in it and I think that there are... It is interesting seeing people who have success very early in stand-up because, I mean, it's not like... People have tried to make reality shows like American Idol or that sort of thing for stand-up, and it doesn't work in the same way because it's not just like a four-year-old can sing. Like a four-year-old doesn't know how to be a stand-up comic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it is interesting to see those people who, like, figure out the technical part of things really early and are very capable at that and then have to go on a separate journey of... What is it that I want to say? Mm-hmm. You know what is it uh, about this that makes this joke mine? Mm.
2: Do you find quite often that it's difficult for someone to have the whole package? You might have someone who's extremely confident on stage, but their material isn't great, or you might have someone with great material, but their stage persona is not great,
0: and finding that kind of chemistry is not is not common. I mean, the wonderful thing about it is like it's it's such an individual thing that everybody's combination is magical in its own way. The Mm. people who are good, if that makes any sense to you, Mm. that like, um, there's this woman named Aparna Nanshola who is very possibly the best joke writer in America. And she has the weirdest, most different kind of stage charisma. Like, it really is something not rooted in confidence, but lack of confidence. But it is also hypnotic and delightful to watch. Like, you know, it is really cool that like everybody gets to make their own product yeah. and have yeah. it exist yeah. on its own terms. And it's just, it's so lovely. Like, one of the things I miss most is the regularity with which I was just getting to see my friends do stand-up. Mm. Um, and like, it is only my own fault for not going out more. Yeah. It is just, I have been seduced by the charms of my own apartment. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. And like you said, that you
2: you guys are all in the same art form, but the differences between someone like Sarah Silverman, who yeah. I've seen a, a bunch of times and I think is fantastic. The difference between her version of stand-up and let's say like Chappelle or Eddie Izzard is so different. Yeah. But they're all telling jokes and they're yeah. all telling jokes in their own way. Have you seen Eddie Izzard live? Oh, yes. <sighs> She's incredible. Yes. well, I'm mean, Probably my favorite stand-up comedian of all time. I mean... Dress like, to kill just like, destroys me.
0: Like, such a sense of command as a performer and... So smart, so, so erudite, yeah. like, and I had a friend who was obsessed with her, like, 10 years ago, and mm. she would work stuff out at Largo, and he was always making me go. And it is interesting to watch people, to watch a special as it's still being figured out. Right, right.
1: So what about the, the writer's room? So you've been in those, right? Yes. How does that work? Like… Is there a script, and then you guys write gags to it, or do you arrive to a, a plain
0: piece of paper? Well, it's the most—it's the most fun thing on the planet. You, Is it like at its best when you're doing it right? Truly, Dominic. Dazzled by the size of your water bottle Thank right you very now. much. Not a euphemism. But your commitment to hydration is Thank truly... you. have gone California right yeah, there. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you a very quick story about this. I was, um, I was scuba diving with a, with a group of people that I didn't know. And it
0: just took the sea
2: weather. I, I, I took the entire <laughs> Pacific Ocean with me. I was scuba diving with a group of people that I didn't know. And a lady had this, and I was kind of taking the Michael out of her for a couple of days going... Man, that is huge. That Same things that you guys were saying. That's a hell of a commitment to water. And she said, because it's so big and so heavy and cumbersome, you fly through the Uh water very quickly. And I've only just filled this up when I was leaving. But it is true. You kind of want to get down to 3 p.m. as quickly as you can just so that you can carry it. So thank you for that, guy. Anyway, please continue.
0: Um, Writer's rooms are great. So the thing is, is you start out in a writer's room and, like, your showrunner, like, definitely has, like, a vision for what they want for the show, but you all sort of, like, pitch directions that things could go in and every everything like that. It was sort of built more for the 22-episode world that mm-hmm. existed 10, 15 years right, ago yeah. m- more than now. But then, like, usually within, like, a week, you start going through and just breaking an episode of television, like, figuring out what the plot points are, and then you as a room... Get it very, very finalized as an outline before one person goes off, writes a draft of it, and then everyone comes back and you spend just a shaders time making it funnier, mm-hmm. punching it up, doing stuff like that. And it was a couple of years ago, I had an idea that I wanted to sell to like Britain. I was like, this is an idea uh-huh. that is more appropriate to there. And I was like talking to people about it. And in the process, I realized, oh, if like if I do this. I don't get a writer's room. Like, I... You know, in Britain, you write six episodes of television and you get, like, one person to be, like, your script editor or whatever. Um, And it's... There are ways that, like, America has become entranced by that. America likes this idea of, you know... um, one person writing every episode of a show and directing it and editing it and stuff like that, like with girls and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I am so proud of how funny American television can be when you have this many heads getting in and and putting jokes into it. And the thing is, now we we don't have as many TV shows that are full of jokes Mm -hmm. as we used to. And personally, um, was like terrified and floored by how funny the later seasons of *Shit's Creek* managed to be, mm. and when they won all of the Emmys, I was like, "Dear mm-hmm. God, no! Canada is doing this better than we are. Mm. Should we go to war?"
2: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I'm when I'm, uh, I think with all countries. When they when they do it right, it's hilarious. Yeah. When when the United States is funny, it is incredible comedy. I mean, I think I was saying to Billy last weekend. I think Larry Sanders' show is my
0: favorite TV show of all time. I mean, it's just so good. Rip Torn was so He's good. He's incredible. And like Jeanine Garofalo, uh, one of one of my great inspirations as a stand up uh, early on. But like I, she's brilliant. Loved, loved her that, so much. That trifecta
2: that. of Shandling, Tambor, and Rip Torn. Yeah, incredible. Um, but also as you were saying, with singular voices coming out of Britain, like, you know, I think John Cleese wrote "Faulty Towers with his then wife, Connie yes. Booth, but, like, Ricky Gervais's work with Stephen Merchant, offers I, extras. I mean, I, I just Amazing. got done
0: watching AbFab, Fab, uh, oh, like, brilliant. the first three seasons mm. of Ab Fab, and it's, like, crazy that that's, it's just 18 episodes, yeah. but, like, every one of them is a classic, where, right. like, in the old-school American 22-episode style, the joke was always, like, Episode 17, never good. Right, right, Um, right. But it is so much fun to work with a collection of voices and learn the process of sort of, like, working together and really being able to uh, appreciate and enjoy and bounce off of people. Like, it really is the way that, like, comedians hanging out after a show, you just get into that rhythm of... Everybody's on and nobody's in charge. And, you know, you're just having fun. And, like, writing in a writer's room at its best really is that thing of... So, like, we now mostly work over Zoom. And I hate the way that punch-up happens over Zoom. Like, so much of the time, they'll just send people off to write their own jokes. And that's bullshit because people write the same joke separately right. and you don't have that moment of you said it this way I have to make it better Yeah, and those moments of like because at its best it's like the best kind of collegial competition right. of just sort of like I need to not embarrass myself in front of these people I really mm-hmm. respect and I really want to make them laugh Yeah,
1: yeah. I love seeing those moments in like sitcoms when a, a gag's not working and you just see all the writers heads yes. kind of oops there, try that. Yeah. No, nope. don't yeah. oh, try it again. Mm. I think that's
0: great. And I think we just like, we we got too comfortable with the machine and we started mm. doing, like, we started using this well-honed process to make crap. And it's, it's different when it's sort of a machine like that as opposed to in Britain where like, oh, you know, Michaela Cole is so funny. Let's let her do something for six yeah, episodes. Yeah. You know, where this machine did sort of start churning out crap a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, what for you are the... uh, What are the standout benchmark American comedies, just to make sure that we've seen the ones Have you seen The Dick Van Dyke Show? I don't
0: think I have seen The Dick Van Dyke Show. Oh, The Dick Van Dyke Show was like an early family sitcom, but the guy... He's a comedy writer. He writes for a variety show. So you have, a, like, it's from the era when everybody still had vaudeville st- skills lying around, right, right. and it was like, you know, we are yeah. going to make people sing. We are going to make people tap dance. Right. That kind of thing. Right. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore Show, our first classic, yeah. Yeah. Sassy Gal in the City Show. Yeah, you know, uh, your your Golden Girls, your Designing Women. Um, yeah, like those are, and and then you start getting into the like. Voiceier '90s ones like the Larry Sanders Show. Yeah, um, Billy's not seen it. Would, never yeah, seen it.
2: It's it's an. Ing- it, it, I think it's Shandling's best work, right?
0: I mean, but did you watch It's Gary Shandling? I like. Show? I like. It's the Gary Sandling show, Shandling Show. I mean, show. it's Gary Shandling. You're right that you're right that Larry Sanders is better, but there are, are ways that the sh- like the sh- taters of him throwing sh- taters. Ball yeah. in uh, it's Gary Shandling Show. Was- and also, the breaking of the fourth wall is incredible. The breaking it? of the fourth wall was so good. A- and, like, it was it was Taters. sitcoms at a time when sitcoms were all over the place and the same thing everywhere, right. where, like, um, the Larry Sanders show stands on its own. Yeah. Like, it is still uh, good in its, in its own way. Ugh. Taters. Rip Torn talking about Liz Ashley's ass Amazing. on that show. Amazing. I'm so glad that we have that for posterity. Yeah, yeah. You know,
2: like... And it's almost like... I mean, it, I think it genuinely is my favorite TV show of all time, so I can go on and on about it, but that that trifecta that you've got where they, they almost create a singular beast, those yeah. three. You've got Shanling, the host, who's insecure about the way he looks and his face and his ass and is that girl going to go home with him tonight? And then you've got Tambor, always insecure that he's going to get fired, and then Ripton trying to keep the entire show together. They become this this hugely insecure, self-involved,
0: paranoid singular beast it's an amazing thing to see well there is I get really mad at how much LA loves making shows about LA like Mm. I think we really have forgotten how to make stuff that's about the rest of America Mm. Um, but there is the way that like everyone gets to sink their teeth into it more when it is these sort of people that they know Mm. and there is that way did you watch the comeback love the comeback Kudra right like I I mean the the comeback is is just one of the smartest most nuanced things sort of like tearing about this world that, like, Lisa Kudrow has, like, been in. Yeah. Um, And, like, I... In the same way, it's Gary... uh, The the Larry Sanders show is just, like, delicious because they know these people and they hate these people and they are these people. And the ability to, like, tear apart the person you almost are is the best.
2: Yeah. Um, I think Shanling was a big fan of that, right? He was a big meditator. He was big on Transcendental Meditation. I think he had done a lot of work on his ego and was aware that this business does a lot for your ego in a bad way. And I think with Gary Shanley's show and Larry Sanders, I think he's consistently wanting to like kill his ego or at least compromise his ego you know? I
0: do think a show that has your name in it makes you go crazier <laughs> right, right. like any anytime yeah. you have a show and it's resting on your shoulders you go a little crazy right. But the, and there is that way that people come here because they want to be that kind of crazy Right, and it's why those shows are the best because you can like both romance the ridiculousness of these egos but also tear them apart and push yourself away from it hopefully yeah, yeah.
1: Billy Dom eat the world. Should we
2: eat the world, Bills? I'm starving. Every so, yeah. week on our show, we uh, try and eat elements of the world. And it's not that common that someone actually brings a homemade
0: it thing. Well, just, it seems fundamentally dangerous to me. You guys saying, what's your favorite food? We're going to eat it. Because it seems just like a setup for... For poisoning. Well, but also just sort of like for you guys... To hate something that somebody else really loved. No, we're, I know. we're very,
1: very positive here. Yeah, we're and very also, positive. I think it started off that we were thinking more along what's happening today, that people are really bringing something. Uh-huh. And we, we wanted it to be like from people's childhood or, or some sort of memory
0: or something. So um, I'm glad you've made this something. Look, I mean, I could have gone for a, a simpler direction, but it's Teeters. peach season right now. Is it? Like it's it? peach is, season, it is, guys. It is peach season. I was just in my hometown, which my home county produces more peaches than the states of Georgia and South Carolina combined. What's so the name then, of your hometown? Uh, it is Yuba City, California. Yuba City. It is also the prune capital of the free world. Oh. Um, Everyone's very regular there. Yes. Um, It's a lot of stone fruits Um, Mm. But I I was like My mom had sent me With a bunch of peaches It's a little early In the season So they weren't The most amazing Mm. Um, Is the
2: peach Your favorite stone fruit? The peach is my
1: favorite Stone fruit William Can I tell you My favorite gag? Okay Oh I was looking For your favorite stone fruit But go on But it just made me Think of my favorite gag Which only works If you're Scottish Okay Are you ready? Yes When I was younger I had a trumpet tree In my garden but a man from the council came and rooted to toot. What do you think? You can
2: use that if you want. Is I don't it, know how you do that in an American accent.
0: Is a trumpet tree a real thing? No.
1: Oh. <laughs> it should
0: be. Yeah. That's... A- that's very good. Isn't that a nice gag? It's a charming it's, it's gag. It's a lovely gag. I could never get away with it. it it's, <laughs> well, you it, would say it, rooted it out. It, <laughs> people were like no, that's It not. also just requires a, a level of likability <laughs> that Billy has access to that I do not. Just, hey, William. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you I do, guys. It's, it's you, not and, my brand. It's I'm perfectly fine with it. It's not my brand. William, it, um, for
2: what? God's sake, what's your favorite stone fruit?
1: My favorite stone fruit, a mango.
2: Oh, I've changed my mind. Mine's also a mango. You w- can't
1: change it to mine. I
2: was going to say nectarine, which is just basically a hairless peach. But uh, I'm going for a mango because that is my favorite. That's the most popular fruit in the world, the mango.
0: I mean, mangoes are so good. Incredible. It disappoints me, though. Well Why? How because the stone's too big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Uh, there are these stories about these mangoes that come from India that are amazing Ooh. and that people are like picking up at the Santa Monica airport and that kind of thing. Ooh. And I'm like... <laughs> would it be wrong to travel internationally just to taste better mangoes? I have
2: a mango tree we plantation in way. India. Yeah. Yes, in Bangalore, India. So just just a little bit of trivia for you there. There you are. Hey, we're eating a, po- a cobbler. I'm going to get into the cobbler thing a here. A
1: cobbler. Cobblers.
2: The is blurb that, says here. Is it
1: American, a cobbler? I think it probably is. Well,
2: I'll tell you in this blurb, Bill. Go on. Cobblers were never meant to be pretty, says this blurb, emerging as a makeshift version of the ever-popular pie recipe that came from Europe and the United States in the 1800s, this dessert was cobbled together by the early ah. American settlers using fruit, usually preserved, canned or dried, and clumps of biscuit dough before baking it mm-hmm. over an open fire. So kind of one of those desserts that you just, you kind of throw a few things together because you've not
0: got everything. Like, like a, a Like an eaten mess. Yeah, like an eaten mess or a crumble. Well, okay. Also, just fundamentally, like making pie crust, in England, where the world is air conditioned, you can yeah. make pie crust anytime you like. Though, mm. so as we've seen on Great British Baking Show, sometimes global warming, they have a rough time. The thing is, is my mom's insistence is that if you, it's cool enough for you to make pie crust, your peaches are shaders And truly, uh, in, in, in this warm late summer time, you can't be trying to, like, get butter into, into flour or whatever. It's not in a way. You just have to make a cobbler. Yeah, what yeah. you'd
1: need is a, a...
2: Bring in the cobblers. You can a, come on in. <laughs> Come on in, Shanti. Right, Shanti was being very on. polite there, waiting, but thank you, Shanti.
1: You
2: oh, a cobbler, you. I say. feel as
1: if I need some cream with this. Well, not
0: Well, no, we've not got any, we've not got any. Should it be served hot or cold, guy? It should be served room temperature, <laughs> taken from your grandmother's oven. That she like baked it last night and it's just sort of sitting there. Should it be served with ice cream? Yes. Did I bring ice cream? No.
2: Would you say a vanilla ice cream is the best for this? A vanilla ice cream. I would think so, too. Guy, would it be all right to just talk us through how this whole thing came about? Because we could read the blurb, but you've just
0: made this. If you want the recipe, it's on page 201 of my book, My Life as a Goddess, available wherever books are sold. But it's, I mean, it's very simple. It's not as simple as you think. Okay. It's slightly simple is you need to take a good, solid, like, a cast iron um, skillet or, like, a, a nice sort of, like, crockery thing that is, has some heaviness to it, put some butter in it, and let the butter get brown. That's the only thing that's hard. Okay, is let the butter brown. get brown and not burn. Okay. And then you just uh, mix even amounts of uh, cream, sugar, and self-rising flour or flour that isn't self-rising, and then you put some baking soda and some salt in it, Ooh. and you put that in. And then you put the peaches on top of it. And then you bake it until it's done. You guy,
2: it's... taters, King gorgeous. Yeah, I think that's a good reason to swear that. I would have said it was... Teeters. Delightful. You've... taters, you've King nailed yeah, it. Yeah, you've... Teeters. Smashed it, guy. It's um, very kind of you boys. Um, How often are you cobbling together
0: some peaches? I mean, I'm a man of generous carriage. I have no business eating... <laughs> generous carriage! Uh, eating peach cobbler with regularity. But um, once every peach season... I owe it to the peaches. Oh, okay. my so God. So this God. is my occasion for the year. Well, go yeah.
1: It's absolutely... Tell us, tell us the history of it. Well, Who? <laughs> me? <laughs> no, not you, Guy.
0: Go on, then. Did go. you and
1: your mother often sit around peach season and say, Mother, this that would
0: be you, Mother, let's cobble together some peaches. So look, here's the story. Go on, then. Is that my mother and my dad's mom hated each other, Oh, and,
2: wait, hang on a second. Let me just make sense of that. Your mother and uh, your da- my dad. My so your mom, Your mom's mother-in-law. mother-in-law.
0: Yeah, my mom's mother-in-law mm. hated her. Mm. Uh, they hated each other. Oh, no. But um, my mom tasted my grandma. See, like my mom's mom had made peach gobbler a different way. Oh. And then my mom tasted this approach to peach gobbler, which is, you know, controversial. There are some people who are essentially making crumbles and they're calling it cobblers, And my mom was like... This is a better cobbler. And so um, my mom was very devoted to it uh, for peach purposes or blackberry purposes. Did that forge together a slightly closer relationship between your mother and her mother-in-law? Dear God, no. They it, always hated each the other. The anti-Semitism mm. was too strong on my grandmother's oh. part.
2: <laughs> now, has your grandmother <laughs> moved on to the other side at yes. this point? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that again. Oh. Um, I'll read a little blurb here. More stuff about the peach cobbler. It's just believed to have come together in the same way as the first cobblers did: fruit, dough, and an open fire. Peach cobbler is a traditional diff dish served in the Deep South, usually accompanied. Uh, oh, Jesus, dumb. Usually accompanied by a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Other oh. versions of the cobbler: tart, pie, tort, pan dowdy, sonka, grunt, slump, buckles, crisp, custard, bird's nest pudding, crow's nest pudding have elements in common, fruit, butter, sugar, and flour. But the recipe for a true cobbler remains nearly the same as the ones that the American settlers used. By the 1950s, peach cobbler had become an American staple. And in an effort to sell more canned peaches, Georgia, those... Teeters. ...declared April 13th National Peach Cobbler Day. What a... Teeters.
0: Day? Sorry, I shouldn't be cursing. Uh, But but Uh, you're you're saying that
2: where you come from makes more peaches than anywhere, including the state of...
0: Yes. The state of Georgia. Yes. And also, Incredible. but like making National Peach Cobbler Day in April is, you know, relying on canned peaches Ugh. and oh, not fresh God. peaches. Very, very frustrating. That well,
1: is fantastic. Guys. I'll
0: tell
1: you what isn't finished, frustrating mate.
0: is it's, this. I finished it, Dom. Yeah, it's Peter's. fantastic. It. very sweet. You guys, before we go, I have to say something to you. Go on. What please. is this? My constant fear in between the years 1999 and 2003 was that I would die before Lord, uh, Return of the King came out. I It meant so much to me. Really? Um, I was so thrilled when those movies came out, and I'm still to this day dazzled that as somebody who loved The Lord of the Rings as much as I did, it was good enough that there was truly nothing about it that I was like... You know, there, there's that fanboy instinct to be like, this is wrong or whatever, but like truly, like what an amazing thing wow. to have been part of and contributed so much to.
2: So so that means that pre the films coming out, you had, what, read the books, read The Hobbit, were a big fan? Yes. Okay. Um,
0: Like, it, it meant too much to me when I was in junior high, and it was just, like, fascinating to me, would read anything possible to try to... Like, it's just, it's such good world building that it's there incredible. really is so much to, like, sink your teeth into. And I do, like, so condescending to other fandoms that are like, you know... Uh, you know, Taters. Dothraki. Like, they made up Dothraki. Like, a corporation paid a guy from Berkeley to write Dothraki. Right. Like, an old man who knew, like, 19 languages. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. built, like, all of those languages. Yeah, it's a master word. And then drew the maps mm-hmm. before he even wrote a word. Yeah. Drew, drew the maps. Like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh, there was one time I was in a history class, and just... All those guys, in overeducated guys mm. in trenches in World War One, mm. scared, Creators. letting their brains open up. Mm. And like all of the amazing art that we got out of it mm. is truly dazzling. Well,
2: well,
1: That's true. I've never thought about that.
0: I yeah, guess. yeah.
2: They're being hemmed in. And they yeah, think, if I can survive this poetry. war, I'm going to
1: write this thing. Yeah. Wh- who's that? Por- Wilfred Owen. Oh, Wilfred Owen. Yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> um... So so specifically what brought you to the books? You were at school and a friend said you should read these books, you'll like them. Okay,
0: I'm very old. So there were these things called record books when I was little, where you would get like a little storybook. Oh yeah. And, it, and it, cool. it had like a little record that would read it to you. And I had one of The Hobbit and I was just like, this is amazing. And then I saw the Ralph Bakshi movie and was like thrilled, but also it's- a Tears. Because it's a Ralph Bakshi movie. And I was <laughs> a child. <laughs> Um there's some great but, things about the Bakshi thing. For me specifically personally,
2: I think the black the black riders in the Ralph Bakshi thing are scary and brilliant. There's a few things about the hobbits that are not as great and dynamic, but the black riders are
0: terrifying. Like it's it's goofy in a 70s way, but also like how old were you when you saw the, the Bakshi films for the, the first Bakshi, time? Bakshi, I was probably nine or ten. Oh, okay. Because I like some of that stuff was just like so real as to be, like, creepy and insidious, and I didn't like it. I don't like horror films, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, you know, um, then it was just... but Like, The Hobbit was the book that made me be like, well, you have to buckle down and get through this book. This Mm -hmm. book is very, very long, but you, like, third grader, fourth grader, whatever I was, are, like, going to get the... ...book. Good for you. Um, And then, you know, um, then I read The Lord of the Rings and then you get into the esoteric daters, Then you get into, you know. It's an incredibly rewarding reading experience, right? We we, we yeah. recently went to a convention
2: this weekend and some guy came over to me and said, can you sign this book? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, I was just chatting with him and I said, what's your favorite chapter? He said, I've not, I've not read it yet. He said, I love the films. I've not read the book yet. And I said to him, it is a commitment. The first 100, maybe even 150 pages, which very often you can finish a book in 150 pages. Yeah. You know, you're still in the Shire. You're at the party. You do the fellow that you do the uh, Council of Aaron, But I said it is one of the most rewarding reading experiences that you have because it is a work of a brilliant mind. You know,
0: and like he, it all held together. Everything had a point. Everything had a purpose. Everything was going somewhere. And with some of these things, that it's so it was so funny watching L. A. react to the, first the Lord of the Rings and then to Game of Thrones and all of these books that were written in sort of like, um, you know, in homage or just stealing from Tolkien that aren't as strong, that don't hold together. And then Amazon made a very expensive first season of a show about it. And it's like, no one wants this. Like, um, or even Game of Thrones getting to the end and being like, well, he didn't know where it was going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping quiet as well. Um, but we do have to, we do have we, to give your cobbler uh, some uh, scores. Yeah, we have to score. I okay. hate to score a homemade okay. um, cake, but I will do it. Yeah, okay. Guy,
2: I'll tell you something about Billy. He doesn't like to upset people, and he is genuinely a very nice man. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that these scores are going to be high, not only because your cobbler was fantastic, but because Billy doesn't like hurting feelings.
1: But also, I don't like dishonesty, Dom. That's yes, a that's, and, that's, and a that's probably overriding. <laughs> so uh, there could be a bad score. Well, let's see. So the first category is flavor slash taste. All okay. right. You don't get to score it because it's yours. That's fair. Sometimes the guests do get to score, but yes. I don't think you should. Yeah, no. you just have to witness, Guy. I do have to give it a high taste score. Oh, it's high me. for taste, no question. I mean, it's a, it's a 9.2. Wow.
2: I'm going to go a little lower than that just to give me somewhere to mm-hmm. go. I'm going to give it a 9.
1: I like the flavour because the, the fruit, fruit,
2: along with that sweet, delicious. Yeah. thank you. It's about as ripe as a peach as it's going to get. Aesthetics: How does it look?
0: Now, now this is
2: this is where it slightly falls down. Now a cobbler's not supposed to be pretty, is it, Guy? I oh, mean, it's cobbled together. Well, exactly. As we've learnt, like well, an old f-
0: shoe. On its own terms, it can be magnificent. Oh. The one I made today was not magn- magnificent, and it was not presented to you in its proper form. Here's where the Shanti, beauty... you should be ashamed of yourself. Here's... No,
1: here's Who, where... cut it? Who cut it from the <laughs> No,
0: no. Shh. Here's where the beauty of a conflict <laughs> happens. When you have immediately pulled it from the oven, and it is still sort of like Ooh. crackling and popping oh, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. moving a little oh, bit, yeah. that's where the action is. A little and bit of ice cream on there then. I mean, yes. If Ooh. I had really been thinking... if I... I had thought about this scoring process mm-hmm. enough, I would yeah. have come in with video Ooh. and really been able to back up the beauty uh-huh. of my cobbler. Uh-huh. And I have to say, this cobbler itself was not my prettiest. And, you know, it came to us as, like, piles of chaos. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Piles of chaos on yeah, a paper Yeah, we, we can see the text. Um, hang I, on, Shanti's no, bringing it, in the actual it doesn't dish. doesn't deserve it. Guys, like, take it out, uh, take it out. No, well, bring it. Come, in. On, come on, on, Shanti. No. Ah, yes. Well, it's a nice in dish. Let's castle. have a look. It's lovely. Well, no. It means that I can eat a little Let's bit. Let's have a look, bills <laughs> It looks like. Let's have a look. It looks what? like a
0: dog got at it. What, what it, kind
1: of dish have you got here? Is it expensive?
0: I mean, it's it's nice. It almost I mean, looks like. It's got like, a good weight
1: to it. Yes. Hold on to a check it guy because I, I'm not going to be eating off of anything. Cheaters. Looks like the end of a shepherd's pie in there. <laughs> not, it does. Not, look like You oh. can put a nice shepherd's pie in there. Yeah. Oh, that's nice.
2: That. Yeah. Right, dog. All right, scores, looks. I'm gonna. I'm going to be charitable because it's homemade and what a beautiful thing to do. I don't you need do, your
0: charity, Dominic nope. Monaghan. Right, in
2: that case, I'll be honest instead, and I'm going to give it a six point
0: five
1: for looks. Fair, okay. Now, really? was you it me? a burnt the corner. No, here, that was on purpose. Are you meant to do this?
0: No, no. Okay, no. okay. So yes, it, the corners should be like crispy and buttery and have mm. had the browned butter acted upon them. Mm. Um, but this was a mess. I put too much in that dish. Oh, I've never made this in that dish before. Well, Billy's fucking
2: eating it with his fingers now. It's a good sign. I like the... um, I like to have a little
1: burnt on anything. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Burnt shepherd's pie. scalded it slightly. Burnt lasagna. So, if it was just that I was looking at, Guy, I was really looking at a six-point something. Mm. But looking at this nice dish with the burnt around the edges... Come on, (laughs) let's get up there to an 8.4.
2: Oh, nice, he's liked it, he's liked it. Nice, high scores for this. I told you he was going to give you high scores. Dom.
1: Billy's favorite category. How useful is it? Usefulness. Oh, that's a great question. Because sometimes we'll get a sauce here, uh-huh. or some powdered something, a rub. Yeah, some bullshit. Yeah. Maybe some fruit from somewhere. How if you've got it in your cupboard, how useful is yeah, it? Yeah, it pitch pictures on what you can do with a cobbler.
0: I'm going to say part of the pride of a cobbler is that it's not particularly useful. Oh. It is a it is a it is a tool for special occasions. Like you, essentially, it needs to like be summertime. Ooh. And also, you need to have, like, like, this is not a dessert for after, for after a meal of any s- substance. Like, right, okay, right. It's too heavy for that. Like, yeah. this is only in, like, this is only in, like, grandma situations right, right. that it should be consumed. It's right.
1: very specific. Yeah, I yeah. don't
0: know
2: how useful it is. It's kind of like a casual dinner, pals hanging out, maybe a family thing, and someone's yes. like, oh, do you want to just make us a quick cupboard it just made, for something for the kids? Make
0: something. Have you got any peaches? And then you're coming out with this. Yeah. I mean, look, if you have canned peaches or frozen peaches and everything else is just already sitting there in your yeah, cupboard, yeah, you've got it. that's very quick and easy.
2: Yeah. Um, I like to think, which is probably not right, and Billy always corrects me on this, can you bring it to a soccer game and hand it out at halftime to the team?
0: Oh, dear God, no. I don't think
2: you can with a car. Co- I don't no. think it
0: travels well. Okay, here's what I'll say. For usefulness, two other things. I would say it is a dense enough dessert that you could smother a person with it. If you were in a Good. situation that you need to kill somebody, ladyfingers aren't doing that. Yeah. Um, and then... what? What about, have you ever seen
2: a vanilla ice cream peach cobbler kind of scoop combination, you know, like you could do that, you could combine those two things. Oh, what? Are you, like, Like you're you know, an ice cream center, parlor, Cut yeah, that center. And you've got, you've, got, you've got your chocolate, and you've got your ch- mas- ma- maraschino cherry, and then they've got a vanilla oh, ice cream with, with peach cobbler swirl. You could have that, surely.
0: Um, I don't care for that ratio. Oh, I'm sorry. And a, a Ben and Jerry tried a Peach Cobbler uh, ice cream. It was okay. My hometown, like the independent ice cream store in my hometown, makes just a straight up peach ice cream that is amazing. Okay. Why isn't peach ice cream something like if I yeah. have. Two responsibilities here. It's one to say, Bros is in theaters September 30th. Good, go see um, it. Bro's, everywhere. Billy Oaks, is and, in it with you? Oh, uh Billy Eichner is in it. There you it. go. Luke McFarland. Oh. Other gay people. Okay, great. But, um, fantastic. But most importantly to say, why is peach ice cream not one of our go-to ice cream flavors? Mm. Why do we have mint chocolate chip everywhere, mm. but you can't get a peach ice cream? What's the
2: name of your local ice cream parlor? That it's you called like?
0: Brox. What's up, Brox?
1: Brock's peach ice cream. Have you ever had peach ice cream in the iron? I don't think I have. I've had a a peach cobbler now Mm. and I can tell you what, I like it. Let's get back to usefulness. Uh, I don't think it is.
0: I would say it is wet and dense enough that you could put out a small fire with it.
1: Yeah, I would
2: say that too. you could throw that on something that's burning. Maybe a book.
1: Well,
0: Mm -hmm. it was Um,
2: already burning itself. (laughs) William! What? You said you weren't going to upset people. Sorry about that. Usefulness. Sorry, guy. I'm going to give it well, you, you pitched it like this. I'm, I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, it's scoreless. a four it's point. Not, it's not, it's not, it's not very fair. useful. But,
1: but I tell you what, that's high scores for a cobbler. It's high scores for a cobbler. Mm. Thanks for bringing it in. It's absolutely delicious. Thanks for bringing that in, guys. Great.
0: Thank you, boys, for enjoying it. You're very skillful.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> a man of many talents. I we love. What I can. We love having people on the show full of positivity and full of passion. And who knows, guy, there might be someone out there who either wants to be a stand-up comedian, successful writer, or simply wants to make a fantastic pitch cobbler
0: (laughs) and you've inspired them. You've inspired both those people. You gentlemen have been inspiring for for years already. Oh, thank you guys. Very sweet. Thank you so much. Um,
2: You guys, we've run out of time. Get in touch with us. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe to our
1: podcast. You can leave voice messages at SpeakPipe. Forward slash the friendship onion. William? Well done. If you want to get merchandise, it's at the uh, friendshiponionpodcast.com. It's cool. Guy, okay. uh, fantastic. You're absolutely charming. I'm coming to see you do stand up. Thank oh, you for having oh, yeah, me. But not doing, in Maine, not in Maine. It's too far away. It's very far. Are you doing any
0: California, LA stand up shows anytime soon? Uh, I'm doing a show tomorrow night in Silver Lake, but that's too far from your home. Silver Lake? That's home. Lake. That's it's near heaven, though.
2: Billy, you can Fan. stay at mine tonight. Silver
1: Lake tomorrow. Sounds fantastic.
0: We'll We'll see you
1: next week. See you on the Friendship Onion. Toodles.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
0: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)